Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode outside the studio. I am your host, Tessa Tovar. I am going to introduce you to a badass woman, Shelly Stevens, today, who is a solo mom turned uh, life coach. I was going to say health coach, but you are in the life coaching business these days. Um, and I'm looking at your bio. So turn to life coaching when you're your life went sideways, which I'd like to dig into if that's okay with you. Um, and you talk about how that experience of, and I don't know, maybe, maybe, um, like your life going sideways was the rewarding piece of that was life coaching came out of it. And, and, um, I'm, I bet you had like an experience being coached that inspired you to become a coach that I'd also like to, now I'm asking you a million questions. You're not going to remember any of these, but anyway, so like the purpose of the life coaching, my understanding is that is to work with women to make changes that maybe don't even know how to, to make those changes, or maybe even don't know exactly what they want. Um, I love it that you say transformation is your superpower. That's awesome. All right. So Shelly, welcome to Outside the Studio. Thank you for being here today. Thank you in advance for your time and for sharing your wisdom with us. Um, how's it going today? How's your, how's your day? It's a beautiful day. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, just uh, been great. Did some work, but have had some time to myself. And I was thinking how fortunate I feel that I have this time with you all to myself. Oh, yeah. Tessa, all to me, which, you know, often uh, when I'm seeing you, uh, there's other people. So, yeah, this is true because we know each other from yoga teaching. So I would, I would come to Shelly's place of business and uh, provide a semi-private yoga class. I mean, sometimes it was, you know, three to to five people. So I, I miss those days since the pandemic hit, we haven't obviously been able to do that, but maybe someday soon. Yeah, someday. Um, so if you don't mind, I'd like to dig into the meat of this, which, and you know, what, what sparks my curiosity is, of course, your life turning sideways, um, and then finding life, life coaching. Can you tell me about that? Is that yeah. a good place to start? Yeah, that's great. Happy to. So uh, a little over two years ago, I uh, became separated from my husband and subsequently ended up divorced. And that was obviously as difficult as you can imagine. Um, The really biggest sadness and challenge, I would say, was um, we have two children. Mm -hmm. And so having that, you know, intact family becomes something different. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's great that you said that something like life coaching coming out of that is a positive, because I, I will say, that is a huge positive, but I, through life coaching, I've been able to find a lot of positives coming out of um, divorce, which normally you would think is a pretty negative um, experience. And of course, there's a lot of um, challenging emotions that are associated with it and, and, um, and outcomes. But I think that it's fair to say that through the process of, of finding life coaching, being coached, um, just diving into consuming everything I could learn about it and experience it, um, participate in it, I really was able to shift my own thinking around what the divorce was, what it meant, how it impacted me, how it impacted my children and our family, Mm -hmm. Uh, and actually our extended family as well, because as you know, um, or can imagine that when you divorce someone, you don't just divorce them, Um, you're divorcing, you know, their family as well. And so Mm -hmm. figuring out how to restructure those relationships in a way that um, works, Mm -hmm. however that looks, I think, um, is one of the benefits of of coaching, at least for me, um, over these past two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I imagine that's just, it's an ongoing process, I imagine, of continuing (laughs) to figure it out, because you have these kids together for life. I mean, that's not going to change. And um, yeah, wow, it's a big deal. That's a big deal to go through. But I think, um, well, first of all, thank you for being honest and sharing something that's, you know, I'm sure it has its moments of being really raw and vulnerable and, um, and emotional, like you said. So I appreciate 
you being willing to share that. And I also think um, it's helpful, right, to shed light on something that feels like maybe it, it can be kind of a taboo subject. We don't always speak freely about this. And so when we do, it, it gives us permission to feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only one going through contemplation of separation or maybe divorce or even wondering, is my relationship you know, healthy in the way that it is? Or maybe we need to pivot and, and look at something else a different sort of dynamic. I'm sure, you know, you continue to and have had your fair share of those kinds of conversations with your former partner. Have you found a, um, a way to work with each other that feels better, good, healthy things of those nature? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, I'm not going to lie. It was very challenging. Um, you know, as you mentioned, just a lot of rawness, a lot of emotion, um, you know, all over the place. There was obviously frustration and anger and sadness and relief in some ways, um, Mm -hmm. as there is with, I think a lot of big changes like that. Uh, and you know, again, once I did find find life coaching, I was able to pivot, as you said, to more quickly recognizing what was happening in my own mind <laughs> versus what the real circumstances were. And, um, you know, the coaching that I practice is really about a greater understanding how your own thoughts are creating your own reality. Mm. And I think as as human beings, um, we tend to think that someone else's <laughs> thoughts or opinions or feelings are affecting your reality. And um, particularly when you look at your, you know, closest relationships, your family or your partner or your spouse in my case, and, you know, to think, well, did I do something wrong? Was I not a good enough wife or, you know, partner or, you know, uh, you know, I th- I think a lot of us who are moms think that, you know, am I a bad mother for, you know, separating and divorcing from the father of my children? Um, And so this idea of learning to take those thoughts and understand that they might not be facts, (laughs) you know, it might not be true. And we tend to believe our thoughts are facts. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, so therefore it's easy to say, well, this person's bad or this person's you know, it's this person's fault or this person, or I'm bad, or it's my fault versus really looking at where you're, you know, what the, the circumstance or the actual facts are, and then reviewing your own thoughts, and perhaps finding a way to different thoughts, which is how, you know, in my estimation, life coaching really works is Mm -hmm. how can you find your way to a new way of understanding your feelings and what thoughts are creating those feelings. And if you want different feelings, then you can choose different thoughts and ultimately get different results. Mm, And I think that did lead to the result of myself and my ex-husband being uh, on very friendly terms now, um, co-parenting, having family meetings, you know, being, uh, being linked in our philosophy of how we want our children to, you know, the outcomes we want for them and putting them first, honestly, and making sure it's about them and not about anything that we have with each other that um, could impact them more negatively than we obviously already have. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that so much. And I imagine that even getting to the point where you can make the decision to a separate B divorce came with a whole host of processes, emotions, and challenges in and of itself. Would you be willing to talk about that process at all? And was it related to life coaching or was that like a completely life coaching came after the after, definitely after um, therapy came before okay. gotcha. <laughs> um, uh, couples therapy and subsequently, you know, my own therapy um, post-separation. And so there, that really just shed more light on challenges that we were already having and you know and then you know through that process of of having a facilitated conversation with a couples therapist you know we we could see where the rifts that we had were not going to um, go away (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and they were at the point where 
something needed to shift and, and it just made sense for us to part ways. And, um, and again, there's a lot of positives that come with that, including, you know, the, 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 the setting down of potentially a burden of a relationship that isn't serving you anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, I, what, that's what came before really. Yeah. Well, I, I ask that because I've been in a long-term relationship and I'm married. You, you've met my husband before. Um, and any marriage, and I know you can relate to this or any relationship for that matter has its ups and downs and its low points and its high points. And it's hard to know when enough is enough or when, you know, you've grown apart and that, that gap just cannot be filled any longer. Mm-hmm. So I'm always, I'm always really fascinated by the people who stay together, you know, maybe they stay together for the kids or maybe it's just not quote unquote bad enough. You know, it's like comfortable, like what drives us to that decision to make that huge life shattering change that feels like, okay, I'm going to go jump off the edge of a cliff here and hope that I learn how to fly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And you're right. It's very personal. And I think for every, everyone, it's different. You know, it's, there's lots of reasons to stay and there's lots of compelling reasons not to at times. Um, you know, again, going back to, I think, uh, had I known, had I had coaching before, um, before my divorce, I probably would have thought about it in a different way sooner, which might've been healthier. Um, and, but I don't think that would have changed the outcome, honestly, in this case, but I, I, I probably could have seen a a slightly easier way to take responsibility for my own contribution to what was happening in the relationship, which is very important, obviously. I think we do tend to see what the other person is doing a little bit more than we see what we ourselves are doing Um, in any relationship, you know, whether it's your parents or your children or a, you know, a friend, um, it's much, much easier to have thoughts about them (laughs) than it is to take a look um, at your own, contribution to what's happening in the to the outcome and the results of the relationship. And yeah. you know, I think results are really important when you step back and, and you think, well, what results am I achieving in this relationship? You, or is this relationship achieving for both of us? And you think, well, maybe not the results I was either hoping for or used to have. Mm-hmm. And so that, that could be the beginning of a conversation because that can change too. That could have changed within our relationship mm-hmm. had we, perhaps gotten to that at some, some point sooner, or had, you know, you both, it takes both people to want to look at things that way. Yeah. I heard someone say fairly recently that um, this was a person talking about being in a long-term relationship. I think they'd been married for 20 to 30 years, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, And they have a shared business together. Mm. And this, one of the partners was saying, I think one of the reasons we, work so well together is that we have this shared value system, but also something that's bigger than the two of us that we are in agreement that we're working towards, but they don't have an overlapping skill set. So they have this business together where one of them has this very specific skill set that complements the other person's very specific skill set. And in that way, um, they've you know, continue to appear. It always seems like people appear happier on the outside, right? I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that just like all of us human beings having this human experience, they experience their ups and downs. But at the end of the day, it's this thing that is bigger than them that they continue to recommit to. So I wonder if you, maybe even just from a life coaching perspective, feel like having this lens of having been in a long-term relationship, just coming out of one, do you feel like, you know, maybe as you look forward to this development of a a future relationship with just yourself or even another intimate partner, is there like a new set of value system or a belief that, okay, entering into a new relationship means I have to have X, Y, and Z in place, or there has to be this, value system that is the foundation of our relationship that helps us stick together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think first off relationship with myself is really critical and that's where I've been uh, for the last couple of years and, you know, really learning 
about myself, learning why I made some of the choices in, in my life that I have made, looking for patterns and figuring out how those apply. And, you know, I definitely see where my own uh, thoughts of being broken um, and feelings of abandonment play out, have played out in relationships for me with a significant other. Well, and probably other ones too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so coming around to that through the work on my, through self-coaching and being coached and, you know, learning that, you know, learning a different way of relating to myself first and, and learning how to not abandon my own self. Because when you constantly abandon yourself, when someone else does it, you just go, oh, well, that makes sense. Mm. <laughs> I'm not worthy. And so, um, but that's like way below the surface, right? And so it's been a couple of years of, of navigation and um, digging and, um, you know, maybe sometimes not being willing to look at certain things and then they continue to come around. And so then through this work, looking at it and, and really getting clear on what what my relationships should look like and again this could be with a friend that a, a situation that no longer serves you it can be with uh you know how are you how i interact with my children mm -hmm. and how how you know i, I want to be sure that i'm bringing my best self to that um but also having boundaries right and boundaries are a huge factor when it comes to relationships and um, that's another area that's great for coaching because so often, particularly women and not to stereotype, but we have a hard time holding, holding boundaries and uh, creating them often in the first place, um, mm -hmm. which is why we end up with a lot of uh, the emotional labor and the work in relationships or families, um, because it's very difficult to say no and, and, or to say, if, if this happens again, this is going to be, you know, the result of that or the, or the um, consequence of that. And something we want our children to know, but often we don't model it very well. And so, you know, looking at all of that for me, uh, for myself is definitely, will certainly impact any relationship I ever would consider entering into the future. I have learned so much about myself um, in the last two years, probably more, more than in my entire life before that. Mm. And, you know, part of that's age and wisdom and, um, and uh, the willingness to set your ego aside to look at what is, you know, again, your contribution to something instead of the blame game, which mm. is, um, which can be real, feel really good, <laughs> you know, to blame others for things uh, versus really understanding they're going, they have their own challenges or pain or, um, or, or, you know, internal work to do. And, you know, and so there's not a lot of value in the blame game, even though it, it like I said, it can feel kind of good for a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. You know, you quickly realize it's not helping you. It's just, you know, at one point, I, I feel like I've been thinking about this idea of crossroads as we were preparing to talk today. And that, you know, the idea of being at a crossroads and whether that's for, for women or people uh, in their careers or in the relationships or in, you know, in their uh, journey to health mm -hmm. or whatever it might be, you know, you stand at this crossroads and you have an opportunity to, to turn one way, another, or go straight. And, you know, I, I easily could have turned left to bitterness and um, blame and stayed there for a really long time um, with my own thoughts, allowing me to just circle that, you know, circle around that for, and not move for literally you just get stuck, right? Mm -hmm. When you allow yourself to turn into that, um, anything kind of like that, or to start looking at it and, and take a right and turn toward like expanding my thinking around this whole relationship the whole situation, you know, all of the impacts, all the results that could come from it. Um, yes, I could do something different with my life. Yes, I could uh, find a new home and create that. I could make sure my children still had, you know, a family, even though it looked a little bit different than some other families and helping them understand that that was still okay. And we, our love for them is not diminished at all. And so turning right for me, is really what got me here and and I'm so grateful 
to to that process and that and the tool that I learned in coaching to be able to identify the thoughts that create my feelings that then create any action I take and the result that I get. And so if I had thoughts that kept me feeling, uh, you know, kept me in blame and kept me with feelings of anger or rage or even sadness, which is important to let yourself feel. But if I had stayed there and stayed stuck, I, you know, I would be a different person than I am in my life, in all my relationships now, because instead I chose to look at those thoughts that were causing me to feel those feelings understand those were my thoughts. They might not actually be everybody's thoughts and they might not actually be facts, <laughs> mm -hmm. even though they felt like it. Um, like, couldn't everyone agree with me that husbands were assholes? Well, couldn't we all <laughs> say that? And then you sort of stop and go, maybe not everybody does think that. Okay, well, maybe that's my thought, not, not a fact. Mm -hmm. and, and that's just an example. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but to instead understand that that's all, you know, here in my head, in my brain, there's thought drama I'm creating around it that is causing me to be in this, you know, drama loop that I'm, you know, potentially could get benefit from, but most likely wouldn't. And so shifting to what, what feelings I would rather be having, mm -hmm. and then working myself backward from there, which is a model I learned in my coaching um, training that I use with my clients is if you're, if you want to look at a different feeling, so instead of anger, maybe I wanted to feel gratitude. And so what thought would help me, you know, would drive me toward that feeling? And then what action would that create? And what will my results be if I chose to think about it that way? And so just looking at, at that as one potential solution. And there's other feelings and other thoughts, of course, associated with them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah, it does. And it has, I have like a million follow-up questions to that because I think about, um, well, my, my, my brain's going in a million different directions, but the first direction it's going is, uh, so we have all of these thoughts, right? And um, I think you said this at one point that sometimes they are unconscious. Like we don't realize that that is driving our decision-making. We don't realize that it, that is creating our reality. And oftentimes we don't even pause to fact check mm. this thought true or it, is this um, a reality that I'm creating myself based on, I don't even know what, right? My own, my own spinning and whirling. So my question is, um, when you're in that space in your head and you're having these thoughts that are feeling negative, you know, judgment or um, anger, frustration or sadness, and you don't realize it, how do you snap yourself out of it? How do you make that right turn? Yeah. Well, the way I was able to do it again is to, fortunately, when I found coaching, I was able to find tools that could help me do that. And so, you know, one of the ways that I do it is, you know, a, a thought download um, or just, you know, a brain dump of how you're feeling onto a piece of paper, a journal, into a book. Um, and to do that consistently enough that you start to see your, you can actually start to become kind of the watcher of your own thoughts. And even um, you might just jot things down that seem stream of consciousness. And then you go back and look at them and you, and I literally surprise my own self sometimes with the thoughts I'm having that I don't even realize I'm having, mm -hmm. um, you know, at a deeper level. Um, and obviously a, a coach can help bring those to the surface uh, because of, it's always easier for someone else to mm -hmm. see, um, the, to identify some of the things the limiting thoughts you might be having um, and ways you might be able to look at those differently. So it was a combination of those things for me, but I think those are both really great tools. And then the more you do it and the more you practice it, the more able you are to go up oh, to kind of arrest your own thought process and, you know, override that primitive brain of like, go to what's comfortable, go to what, you know, go to how you've always done it. I mean, it's so difficult to override that, but you have to really work hard to override that and go, okay, wait, instead of going to what's comfortable, what if I went to what's uncomfortable and figured out why this is so uncomfortable and work from there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where coaching is really valuable because it can, help you identify where you're trying to go to your comfort and of like practice avoidance. Right. Of, right. That, um, that if you 
looked at because that's where the transformation comes in, right? If you looked at those things, if you could just allow yourself to sit in that discomfort, feel negative feelings um, and, and, you know, uh, work through some of that, that's when the transformation starts to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely. Um, yeah, I absolutely. I keep wanting to say empathize, but I don't think that's the right word. But I think you know where I'm going with that, right? <laughs> Um, I feel you, I get it. Um, so, and then my next question is, I'm always wondering this for myself and, um, even, you know, from the perspective of teaching yoga, um, and for, for my own self-transformation and my own well-being, there's always this question for me of when do I know that I've been sad long enough to let my feelings be processed? When do I know that I've let the anger be valid and be real? And when is it time to move on and and make that decision to the right turn, right? Like I, speaking just for myself personally, I spent so much time in childhood thinking that tears were not okay, that I couldn't cry, that I, I shouldn't show emotion, that that made me weak and no one would take me seriously. So now in adulthood, <laughs> I have a lifetime of almost 40 years of um, stuffing my emotion, right? And so it feels like this overwhelming decision to, to one, even just allow the emotion to come up. And then two, well, how do I not get stuck there? Yeah. There's a concept in the work I do called the river of misery. Mm-hmm. And it's very apt because it is between this place we are and this place we finally figure out we maybe want to be so between you know my you know anger and gratitude there's you got to swim through this kind of icky river of because you can't just you know it's crazy to think you could just oh I just changed my thoughts I mean that's very uh, I think like you trying to just tell yourself something that isn't true to feel better Um, so it's it's you have to go through it and I think the question about how long is extremely personal uh, it depends on what it is and how long you've been carrying it. Um, Cause it probably feels like you're carrying a big backpack through the river of misery and, you know, you can't just shrug it off. It has to, you have to, you know, work it off and, and swim away from it. So it's, it's, I don't know the exact answer to that, but I think there's a few ways you can tell if you're heading toward being ready to let go of it. Um, be, Buffering behaviors are a big one, a big signal. Um, things like that start with over, overspending, overeating, over drinking, you know, over over Netflixing. You know, that's a personal favorite. You know, it's it's another way that instead of feeling pain, you can just watch a show, you know, back to back for <laughs> hours and then tire yourself out or whatever, and then let it let it pass, right? Um, you know, uh, grabbing a, a piece of cake feels way better than hurting, way better. Or that glass of wine or, you know, whatever. Pick your thing of choice. Um, it's way more fun to buy a really cute pair of shoes than to feel like shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that those buffering behaviors, when you start to really see those and, and are conscious of why you're doing some of those are you doing them because you really need something or are you doing it because you're you're in avoidance of some of these feelings that you need to have and you know this is another way that you can start to just allow yourself to sit with those and learn that you can survive that feeling because i think in your case in in your example tessa you might believe you cannot survive the feeling Mm -hmm. the bad feeling of of processing that pain Mm-hmm. But if you did start to process that pain and you survived the bad feeling, the difficult feeling, the hard thing, the uncomfortable thing, the tears, if you come out the other side of even just one or two times of doing that, you start to build that, the resilience of going, okay, I, I can survive that. Okay, I can do that. And so I don't have to turn to this other thing or I can do that more so I can process it and move past it. So I think that is really key is building the resilience and the trust in yourself that you'll be okay. If you, if you allow, allow those, the, the urge of those feelings to come, the te- mm-hmm. allow the urge of the tears to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. That's really, 
Yeah, that's really helpful. And then, and then my mind jumps to, okay, well then does that mean I need to live an austere life without the wine and Netflix and the cute shoes and the piece of cake? So in order to allow my feelings, so how do I know when, and I think about this from the, the yogic perspective of um, non-attachment, like do am I going to be okay with that piece without that piece of cake? Or am I going to have a full on temper tantrum? Like, yeah, I want it, but um, do I really need it? No. Am I hungry? Meh, not really. Like how attached am I to getting this result of the shoes or whatever it is? So I always think about, okay, you know, going from one extreme to the other, does that mean I have to quit cold Turkey? All of these, all of my favorite things, my comforts, how do I find that balance? It's not addiction. at all, you know. Not at all. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a glass of wine. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with eating cake or having shoes. You know, <laughs> it's really or all those things at once. It's really creating, you know, that uh, the rigor of of understanding the why of why you're doing it. I mean, sometimes we just need a, the new pair of shoes. Like we we have a thing or something wears out or, or you, you deserve a treat for something. So it's really that um, noticing the urge to when you're, when you have the urge to do it, like, when do I feel the urge to get that glass of wine? It's because, is it, is it just because I've had a hard day? And so I start to do it every single night after mm. the end of a long day. Is it every time my kids are challenging and I feel like I'm a shitty mom instead of thinking about that, am I just going straight to the medicine you know, is it, um, yeah, is it when something difficult is happening and you have a thought about that? Like, I, I will have a thought sometimes that's, that goes like this, I deserve that. Mm-hmm. And when I stop and go, well, well, what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. did you think you were not deserving of things before or if that other you know event hadn't happened? And so really taking a look at it and looking at the why I'm doing it and not just so easy to go online, right? Or, or even like Netflix, you know, the idea of procrastination through of moving your life forward. So say if you wanted to spend time with this, this, these, the 40 year backpack of emotion, if instead of doing that, you sit and you procrastinate, you, you want to do it, you say you're going to do it, you talk to me about it, maybe, and you're, and I'm like, oh, Tess is going to work on that. But then you get to the point where you're going to sit down and work on it or journal, or, or hire a coach or whatever it may be. And you just go, I can't deal with this right now. I'm just gonna, I heard the show is really, really good. Um, Yen told me, and so I'm going to just, I think that's more important right now than this. And so you know, if you're noticing that you're procrastinating things, which uh, sometimes I say is my drug of choice, procrastination, then that's worth looking at. Like, what, what is it about that thing that causes you to think there's a closet that needs cleaning out or, a, you know, another thing that, that you absolutely have to do before you can get to this? That's, I think, definitely a, a flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. It's a really... Um it's really helpful to be reminded of that. And then the follow-up is <laughs> there's just layer upon layer to this okay. yeah. um, between response, between stimulus and response, you have to be able to pause and ask yourself that question without immediately or unconsciously pulling the trigger. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, and I think one of my favorite examples of this is in relationship with your significant other, your best friend, who, whatever it is, when, when you get triggered in that situation, ideally our wise self steps in and, and says, pause before you respond reactively, take a deep breath. Um, and think about what you're going to say. Yeah. Think about the why, <laughs> like what's, what's irking, what's pulling that thread of, of trigger right now. So we're not always in our wise space. How do we practice that? I love how Tara, have you heard Tara Brock talk about the sacred pause? No. I mean, it's, it's just basically that, like the idea of, okay, I'm being triggered right now. I have the stimulus and um, there's going to be a response. Historically, I know like my partner says this to me and I just scream or I just lose it or a fight ensues. How do we create that 
sacred pause, that space in between where we can take a deep breath, walk away, where we can not pull the trigger on buying those pair of shoes so that we can sit with the emotion. How do we build that into our practice? Like anything, it's, it's practicing it. And, you know, no matter how much we do it, we're still sometimes going to just step right into it. Um, you know, the pause might need to be, I notice I'm going to say something that's going to, that historically, then when I said that, they said this, I'm just going to ask for a timeout. Um, do you follow Glennon Doyle and yeah. Oh yeah, They're experts at this, right? And they do it like very publicly, which I love, but it's, um, it's like, hey, you know, I just need five minutes to walk around the block and then come back and resume this discussion because I'm afraid I'm going to say something right now that is just not going to lead to a productive place for us. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I think that if you do that three out of four times and the, and the fourth time you just don't, you know, you, you're not, we're not perfect. We're human. And, but man, if you do it three out of four times and you used to do it zero out of four, or if you do it one out of four and you used to do it zero out of four, and then you get to two out of four, you know, of noticing I have this urge to say this, or I have this urge to buy this and just stop and go, okay, I feel the urge. And so can I allow it? And if I can allow it, what do I need to do to just, you know, take care of myself or the situation for a minute? Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it's a thought you're having. And it's, it's something that for you to deal with in your own mind versus something that maybe they're even cognizant of or, you know, and yeah. it's, yeah, it's really practice. I, I think um, it's like, you know, one thing I was thinking about before we got on the, the um, call today is, you know, if I came to yoga and my mind was already, I already had this thought of, Oh, I'm not feeling it today mm -hmm. or, or I'm just, I haven't been working out or I'm not ready for this. If I have this thought, I'm not ready for this. And I come into your yoga class and, you know, then I continue to build my thought drama around, oh, I'm not going to do well today, or I just don't have what it takes today. And then if you did something like that you would do because you're the yoga instructor and like, maybe you came over and gently corrected me. Mm -hmm. And then I had a thought, see, Tessa doesn't even think I, I've got it today. Mm. She thinks I'm doing it wrong. And you probably aren't thinking that at all. You're just doing what you naturally do, which is help, helping someone through a yoga practice so they get the most benefit out of it. And I am taking it this whole other place in my brain. But if I can, even at the first thing of like, I'm just not feeling it today, if I can just stop myself and go, okay, the last time you, the last two times you went to yoga, you had that same thought and it, your result was a shitty yoga class because you spent the whole time thinking about that instead of thinking about like, how can I just get the most out of I'm here, you know, and I've got this great opportunity. And then I had another op opportunity when you corrected me to have a different thought. Okay. Getting back on track. And instead I thought, Oh, see yoga. Tessa is a hundred percent in agreement with me. That's, I know what she's thinking. She doesn't even know why I come to yoga ever. Like why I'm never going to be, she's like, I just, I'm humoring Shelly. And in, instead of, you know, that's a, an extreme example, but, uh, you know, one where you can totally take a perfectly simple situation and just mm -hmm. thought drama the hell out of it until you end up having a, a result of a not great yoga class, yoga practice, you, any, you know, you, you leave in a totally different mind frame than you could have left. Mm -hmm. yeah. so I think if you, you know, if you have enough experiences where you come and you have the right mindset, it's all about your mindset. And then you correct me and I, Oh, it just gets better. And, you know, and then I'm in the flow and then I, it ends and I'm just, I, you know, floating. Mm -hmm. It's all about showing up with the right mindset or catching yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I wonder, so all of these things that are practices uh, require an extreme ability to introspect mm -hmm. and to take the time to ask ourselves these questions, to be honest in our answers, um, to develop new habits and behaviors. Um, and so I'm wondering what, if your daily routine has changed since you've started working with a life coach and are a life coach 
And what would you say to the person that wants to start to develop some of these habits and behaviors? Like on a daily basis, I recommend X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Well, ideally some sort of journaling or thought download, like I said, which it doesn't have to be grammatically correct, or it can be a stream of consciousness. Um, there's something about a pen and paper, and it just lets your mind open up versus just letting things spin around. Um, I think that is a really valuable and helpful daily practice. And then taking a look at that um, and seeing, you know, trying to pull out the thoughts that are perhaps not serving you anymore. Um, I also walk uh, with my dog every morning and I listen to podcasts and that literally shifts my entire day um, because instead of starting and, you know, in my head about having to do this or that, or the kid was this way, I just, I listen to someone who, uh, you know, I admire someone like you who I admire. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to learn something from. And then that just makes, I just, ideas just start, you know, Sometimes I have to stop with my phone and write down, you know, type in the ideas that I'm getting from that. And so consuming the type of information that's helpful versus the type of information that is, you know, that is not helpful, like on a regular basis, I would say helps me, helps me a lot, Uh, reframes a lot of my thinking and allows me to think and practice things in a new way. So there's tons of coaching podcasts out there. Um, I'm a life coach school graduate. And so I listen to the life coach school. Uh, There's a lot of people who have spun off of the life coach school have great podcasts. I listen to your podcast. I listen to Glennon religiously Mm -hmm. every week now that she's on. Um, Her work is so compelling to me and um, honest and true Mm -hmm. and relatable. um, That I think that's really valuable as well. So I'd say those are the main things aside from working with a coach who can really help you dig into this stuff in a way where you're held accountable um, to another person, which is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And I have a question about life coaching in particular. I haven't myself experienced it as yet, but I have been in therapy since I was five years old. (laughs) So basically my whole life. Um, And as we're talking about it, I feel like there's some definite overlap between life coaching and counseling or therapy. but would you tell me a little bit more about the process itself that like stands it apart, or maybe it's, it's very similar and it's just kind of a different um, naming convention. I don't know. No, I do think they're, they're different. I think they do overlap. Um, There's huge benefit to both. As I said, I was doing therapy on my own after my divorce and doing the coaching. Um, I, I think my philosophy around it is therapy is such an important place to explore your feelings. Mm-hmm. And to certainly do work with uh, a, a valued and valuable person who can help guide you through those feelings and, you know, what they might mean and uh, what to, maybe what to do with them, um, but certainly uh, exploring them, you know, as much as you need to. Um, to me, coaching layered on top of that or even without that is, is a bit more results oriented in that it does allow you to take action or, or it, it provides a framework for you to take action on some of those things. And so, for example, if I were doing both and I'm identifying a feeling of grief, for example, and, and, do, and, and talking through that with my therapist, I might then take the model I use for coaching and look at that feeling of grief and the thoughts I'm having that are, that are leading me to that. And then what, what actions I'm taking Am I avoiding it? Am I drinking it away? Am I um, not speaking to someone because of it? Am I, uh, you know, and then what's the result of that? And then if, if that result's fine with me, great. But if I'd like a different result, I work my way backward to, you know, another way to, um, to take that grief and, and look at it um, in a more dimensionalized way, maybe is how I describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense that there's a definite, um, more actionable outcome. And also seems like there might be some measurable outcome too. Like for example, you sit down with a coach and you have a specific goal in mind that you want to reach. Mm -hmm. And then it is a measurable outcome, right? Like I want to, your, your specialty is working with women, right? To make a transformation in their life or to achieve again, some desirable outcome. So is, do you approach that um, in any specific way? what kind of a process do you overlay on top of that? 
Yeah, so we obviously there's lots of dialogue about what that might be, um, where they, you know, what is causing them to think they maybe want to make a change. For example, I've worked with a few people lately who are um, interested in job transition. And part of this, of course, is on the heels of what's been happening and, you know, figuring out through the COVID experience what's really working for them and what's frankly not working for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as people prepare to go back to work or as people, you know, as our lives are changing, some, you know, it's sometimes you're like, okay, well, maybe it's time to explore something else. Um, and so a lot of times it's that exploratory stage and then just getting to the thoughts that are and the feelings um, that are, are, you know, contributing to that. And sometimes it means I just need to look at my job differently and I love it. And it just re-energized me and I just needed a new way of, um, of positioning it for, and, you know, making sure I'm understanding what my thoughts are about it and why. And sometimes it means, okay, you know what, clearly I'm ready to do something new. Um, it might be the same in the same space in a different place. It could be a complete shift to a different space. And so it's, it's exploratory conversation followed by working through this model that we use around what your thoughts are uh, creating your results. So, um, you know, again, coming to that understanding of, is it, for example, if it's, if it's the place you're working, is it, is it true that it's the way you're describing it? Or is that something that you are, is that thought drama you're creating in your mind? And, and then let's start with that and then figure it out from there. Um, so it could be anything from changes like that, that you're proactively considering or that you don't even know are that maybe, you know, under, you know, deeply uh, buried. Um, or it could be things that are thrust upon you. Like your children are leaving for college and you're an empty nester for the first time and you don't know how to do that. Um, uh, so some changes, you know, are things that we, uh, we implement ourselves and some changes are things that, um, that kind of come to us. You could have somebody lost their job and then they're, you know, we're having a conversation about, you know, well, what do you want to do now? Do you want to do that same kind of thing or, you know, and so it's just these inflection points really, as I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's such valuable work. Um, it sounds really rewarding. Um, it sounds like a great way to continue to, I always find that, you know, we teach the things that we need to learn, which for me, that looks the way that plays out in my life is, is the practice of yoga. Um, and so, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that wisdom with us and, um, offering some words of wisdom about life coaching and everything that you've been through over the past couple of years. And what a couple of years to go through all of that. Wow. (laughs) Holy cow. You did mention, um, I want to be mindful of our time, but you did mention that you learned a lot over the past couple of years. What comes to mind is like maybe the top, I don't know if there's one, two or three things that were like these really big lessons for you. Well, the biggest, and I've said it a million times on this, uh, during this conversation, but it's learning that my own thoughts are not facts. I literally before, before this thought that everything I thought was true, um, Mm. and that I was right. (laughs) Um, so that was, that's definitely a big one. Um, learning, you know, how to navigate some of these difficult emotions. Uh, You know, COVID was challenging for a lot of reasons, isolation uh, for an extroverted child, (laughs) you know, and how to deal with, um, you know, the ramifications of that in a loving way, you know, bringing love forward, but also, you know, um, sort of managing the emotional load that that was um, for everybody, obviously, that's been, at home with their families and dealing with um, uh, the kind of fallout of that. Mm-hmm. Um, how to stay motivated, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in these last two years, going through a lot of change, um, a lot of, uh, you know, sold a house, moved, you know, and so how to, how to keep the momentum and moving forward when, everything about that year at at home was (laughs) pulling you back into comfort, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. How to push myself to get uncomfortable when there was so much, even just in the world that was making us go, no, get as comfortable as you can Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you're going to need it. 
Yeah. Oh God. I so empathize with that. I just, <laughs> it was like the world shut down and I, you know, I, I know so many people suffered, lost their jobs, lost so much, you know, lost their lives. And I had an experience, you know, in contrast to that, where I was like, Oh, I can just relax. Like mm-hmm. I can rest, I can sleep. I, I'm not ping ponging all over the place. And this feels really good. So I empathize with like the ability to just, and what does that say about me? Right? Like I, that's something to look, look at for sure. Um, but the ability to just let myself rest for a period of time, gosh, I think the last time it actually felt like that maybe was like summer in high school, you know, where you get the summer off and you're like, what are we going to do? And the days feel so long and you don't have any plans. I mean, uh, yeah. So I feel kind of nostalgic from that. Where was I going with that? I just, um, I guess, I guess what I, well, I do have one final question. So you mentioned that you learned how to stay motivated and as the world starts to open back up, it's feeling to me, and I don't know if you feel like this, but it's feeling to me like, um, things have hit fast forward times a hundred and that, that, uh, peace, that stillness, that rest I cultivated during the pandemic, you know, what is my lesson there? How do I carry that forward? How do I bring some of that into, um, what starts to feel like a more frenetic lifestyle, but it doesn't really need to be. Um, so how do you stay motivated? I try to think about the result that I want to create and work from there. And, you know, your result might need to be rest. And that's, that's a fine result. I think we are so judgy about, especially our own selves, but just generally about, oh, that person doesn't do enough, or uh, I should be doing the same amount as this person, which is, again, those are all just thoughts. And so, you know, working backward from your result, and, and then how motivated do you need to be? Maybe you need to motivate yourself to rest. You know, <laughs> maybe you do too much. Um, and for me, again, um, procrastination, it's so easy for me to, you know, reorganize a closet than do, you know, write a blog post, for example, uh, to grow this business. And so um, it's really just looking at the results I want to get. And those can change month to month and week to week. Um, But, you know, it's, to me, it's, it's considering the result that you're looking for, and then just working from there. Yeah, that's helpful. It's a good (laughs) reminder. Thank you. So where can people find you? Oh, follow you. <laughs> people can find me at my website, which is ShellyStevensLifeCoach.com uh, or on Instagram at the same uh, or Facebook. It's Shelly Stevens Life Coaching. Uh, so those are the places or uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Shelly Stevens. Cool. All right, Shelly Stevens. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Again, I appreciate it. And yeah, it was good to spend a dedicated hour with just you learning about yeah together (laughs) yes good together (laughs) learning about what you've been up to and all the things you've learned over the past couple years so thanks again thank you i hope you enjoyed the conversation today if you have any feedback comments questions or even requests for future podcast topics please feel free to reach out to me on social media handles, Facebook at Tessa Marie Tovar, Instagram, Yogi underscore Katniss, um, email address, Tessa.Tovar, that's T-O-V as in Victor, A-R at iCloud.com. I love to hear from my students and I'm always happy to talk about this kind of thing for you. If you don't listen, I don't do this. And my goal is to spread the word about what yoga means on and off the mat, in particular, spreading the word outside of the studio. Thanks for tuning in and have a lovely day. Bye.